Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I don't just believe shit I hear on podcasts, and I hope you don't either. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear and I don't bleep anything out. So listener discretion is advised. episode 87 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find cool that I want to learn more about. Today I talk about a bigot bill in Tennessee, why people are signing up for GM houseplants, the surgical skills of orcas, and high profile allies to the LGBTQ community. If you've joined me before, then thank you for returning. I really do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome. I hope you find it both fun and informative. Oh, and if you're interested in supporting the show, all possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. Governor Lee in Tennessee has signed the drag bill, banning kids under 18 from seeing drag shows. How do we know this is bigotry and not actually about the children as he claims? We know this because he has never once spoken up against Hooters or Twin Peaks, and their overtly sexual performances, and the children who are often taken to both of these places on the reg by people just like him. There are Hooters in Nashville, Hermitage, and Goodlettsville. There are Twin Peaks in Brentwood, Knoxville, and Madison. Governor Lee and his people have never once complained about either of these establishments. They have no concerns whatsoever about children of any age going to these places and watching these performances. Holy hypocrisy! There are adult drag shows. Drag story times are not those. It's literally no different than hiring a clown, except kids these days seem to enjoy drag queens more than they do clowns. And who can blame them? Clowns can be creepy, while drag queens are fabulous, on top of being incredible artists and performers. The real reason for Governor Lee going after drag is that he doesn't like it. It makes him uncomfortable. So he demands that everyone go without. I thought Republicans claimed to be about small government. Oh right, they just pretend to be that way, like everything else they do. It gets even worse though. The bill was deliberately worded vaguely enough that it's going to affect trans people as well. Remember when I did the history of Stonewall episode and talked about how in the 60s police were permitted to check people's genitalia to ensure they were wearing the correct clothing for their gender? Welcome back dark ages. And even worse is the fact that Tennessee is doing this while there are actual real issues actually hurting children that are being completely ignored. The National Watchdog Children's Rights says that there are ongoing problems that continue to put children at risk of harm in the Tennessee child welfare system. Their review of the system overall showed that only 53% of the 9,000 children in care received the required visits from caseworkers in the first eight weeks of placement. 18% have their caseworkers changed on them in the first six months. 52% are moved more than once in the first six months. 19% are moved three or more times in the first six months. These moves are highly traumatic for the child. There are consistently reports being made about abuse, kids sleeping on floors and offices, and kids being kept in unsafe conditions. Party of families my ass. We've watched them tear families apart. Party of small government my ass. Their actions show them to be the exact 
opposite. Party for children, my ass. When child services are that bad and they want to spend their time and resources on policing how people choose to dress, that shows they don't give a shit about kids. If it was really about the children, the focus would be on Tennessee Children's Services. It would be on getting more caseworkers to help the youth of the state, not the policing of trans people and drag queens who literally hurt nobody ever. Fuck the state of Tennessee and their clearly bigoted legislation. Be skeptical, damn it. The air in our homes does affect our health. I've talked about the VOCs and how they build up in other episodes. VOCs being volatile organic compounds. They come from everyday household products, furniture, cooking, even our floors. VOCs have been linked to cancer. The VOCs in our air with the highest cancer risks are formaldehyde, benzene, and chloroform. And these compounds are not cleaned out of the air with the use of HEPA filters. As we all know, the best way to clean our air is plants. The force of the world do it for the outside. But plants also work on the inside. My husband has always had lung issues, and we used to have a friend whose apartment was full of greenery. I mean, full. My husband loved going there to hang out and game, and used to talk about how good the air felt in that apartment. Most interiors, however, are not that full of plants. Some of us need room for other things. Q-genetically modified houseplants aim specifically at being more efficient at cleaning interior air. Neoplants, a startup in North Paris, spent two years developing houseplants for this use. The golden pothos, also known as devil's ivy, was used to create the genetically modified version called Neo-P1. It was chosen because of the fact that it's one of the most common and easygoing houseplants in the world, so something supposedly I couldn't even kill. The researchers tweaked the DNA of the golden pothos to enhance its ability to extract VOCs from the air, including benzene and chloroform, both of which are commonly found in indoor spaces. The proteins required to break down the more difficult compounds are added, so the plants can then convert them into sugar and CO2 and use it towards their growth. Comparisons were done with identical rooms. The researchers measured the parts per million of the compounds in question. Over 11 days, the room with the unmodified plants had no change in measurements. Over the same period of time, the room with the modified plants saw chloroform go down by 82% by day 3 and benzene drop by 75% by day 8. Now, this is a closed room test. The effects will not be as good in a building or a house, obviously. A single plant in a corner of a single room with no air movement won't do much more than clean the air in that small part of the room. And for places with particularly dirty air, a lot of plants would be required to really make a difference. But the improvement is still pretty amazing. The U.S. will be the first market to have access to these air cleaning plants later this year. They're expected to sell for 179 U.S. dollars each, so rich people plants for sure. That's 10 times the price of any ordinary golden pothos plant. Over 30,000 are already signed up on the waiting list at the Neoplants website. While some are personal consumers, most seem to be hotels and real estate developers at this time. Like everything else, price will come down as the market grows and tech becomes more streamlined. P2 is already in the works to be even more efficient at cleaning the air, having a protein added that will allow it to be able to break down formaldehyde in the same way as it's doing with chloroform and benzene. So, follow-ups to come. Orcas, also commonly known as killer whales, are very powerful, very intelligent creatures, which live in nearly every part of the ocean, both tropical and cold. 
they pass their intelligence on to one another. Not just from a mother to their young, but also from other whales in the pod, and even when other pods meet new pods. Adult orcas continue to learn. When they travel and meet these other pods, they pick up their behaviors and adapt them to their own lifestyles. In this way, they can spread their behaviors and habits around the world. An orca is a skilled hunter on its own, one of the top predators of the ocean. But in a pack, they're practically unstoppable. They plan. They take careful consideration of the best way to acquire food without incurring life-threatening injury. I saw them described as the wolf packs of the ocean, and working together they're able to take down the largest of creatures. The average orca consumes about 500 pounds of food every day. They're known as opportunist feeders, which means they'll eat whatever prey is available in their environment at the time. So, an orca's diet will vary widely depending on its location and how far they travel. They eat herring, salmon, mackerel, squid, octopus, seabirds, seals, sea lions, sharks, whales, whatever. What I find most amazing about orcas, however, is their ability to identify and isolate specific organs in their prey that may hold the specific nutrients the orca may be lacking. And in the case of the shark livers, they're surgically removing the dang things! Since at least 2015, carcasses of great white sharks have been washing up on the South African coast. All have been in the same condition, an intact body except for an incision across the shoulders, made with near-surgical precision, out of which the liver has been removed. The rest of the body is left to rot in the ocean or to wash ashore and rot on land. Just an interesting tidbit, a great white shark liver has to be huge, as I read that it is one-third of their body weight. How orcas are removing the livers is amazing. When a pod spots a shark, they will surround it to keep it from swimming away. They then use what I saw described as a simple quick motion to spin the shark belly up. Now, sharks have a weird quirk when it comes to being belly up. They experience something called tonic immobility and are essentially paralyzed for at least a minute. Well, in this state, an orca surgically bites a slice in the great white and they nudge at it, causing the liver to squeeze out intact, at which time it gets gobbled up. Incredible. Their intelligence shouldn't really surprise us, as they're members of the marine dolphin family Delphinidae, but this is still really amazing. Why do they target organs, specifically livers in these cases? For the same reason we do. The nutrient value. My mum would eat liver whenever she was low on iron. The orcas are going for the squalene. Squalene is an organic compound that all creatures make, but in sharks the production is concentrated in the liver. This giant organ is very rich in it. The orcas need squalene for the synthesis of certain chemicals in their bodies. When they're depleted or having trouble maintaining their levels, they seek it out. And this isn't the only example we've seen of orcas targeting specific organs to make up for what they may be lacking. In South Africa, they've started targeting the hearts and testes of great white sharks, each of which has different nutrient properties. In other parts of the world, they target the tongues, specifically the soft, tender portions of the tongue and lower jaw areas. These meaty parts are rich in proteins. They also target the breast meat of the penguins, which may be just because it's a tasty meaty part. And they target the sunfish intestines, though it's not sure yet what they're getting from those. Orcas really are smart, amazing, interesting animals. specific focused research segment this episode, so I'm jumping to the end here. To finish off Pride Month, I'd like to point out a few of the allies in the public eye who've recently stepped up to make statements of support. On the comedian side, there was one small act of protest that stood out to me. When the anti-drag bill was signed in Tennessee, Steve Hofstetter had an upcoming show scheduled for there. He very publicly condemned this bill, and then went out and bought a dress for the performance as a form of protest. Yes, this is a very small thing, and he acknowledges that. I still thank him for the effort. 
While I do not follow country music, I am thankful to the woman who protested the Tennessee drag ban by going on stage at the state's biggest event of the year with several of them. Drag queens, that is. The singer's name is Kelsia Ballerini, and I definitely appreciate the high visibility of this particular protest, as the Country Music Awards get over 5 million viewers who all got to see that she is an ally. She sang a song called If You Go Down, I'm Going Down Too, which of course I've never heard, but the title sounds like it's right on track for the theme. On the politician's side of things, the Nebraskan legislator has the ever-vigilant Megan Hunt. She made two major stands in the first few months of 2023. First, in January, when Nebraska was proposing its anti-drag bill, she used their own wording against them to write an amendment to the bill that would include banning children under 18 from attending proselytizing youth camps. She put their false words against trans people into actually truthful sentences about Bible camps and the like. Quote, Predators use church-sponsored events like youth groups and Bible camps to gain trust and unsupervised access to children to abuse. Unquote. And nobody can dispute the statement. We all know it has proven to be 100% true. Unlike the bullshit grooming crap the Republicans keep claiming LGBT people and drag queens are doing without even a smidgen of evidence. There really is only one side here that supports the truth and all the people. And Megan Hunt sees that very clearly. While she did not expect her amendment to pass and claimed she would have recalled it if it did, it made the point loud and clear. These bills are based on bigotry. Period. They have nothing to do with protecting children. Even more recently, Nebraska came after affirming care for transgender individuals under 18. Megan Hunt has a transgender son and made her position on how this affects her very, very clear. Some of her statements on the matter? This bill harms me in an unforgivable way. Don't say hi to me in the hall. Don't ask me how my weekend was. Don't walk by my desk and ask me anything. Don't send me Christmas cards. Take me off the list. You are not a safe person for my child to be around. Unquote. It's not just words, though. She is taking action. When this bill advanced, she took a page out of the Republican handbook and vowed to filibuster every bill that comes before them going forward. This means nothing gets done. Since her blockade began, only three bills have been advanced. She is making a difference. And if the repressive bill, and yes, this is a very repressive bill, if it does not manage to pass by the end of legislature session on June 9th, it will fail. And if it does fail, we will have Megan Hunt to thank for that. And for one last ally in the public eye, we have another politician, this time a governor. The governor of Minnesota, Tim Waltz, signed an executive order protecting the rights of LGBTQ people from Minnesota and other states to seek and receive gender-affirming health care. The bill would prohibit the state from enforcing court orders or child protective laws from other states if they interfere with a person's right to seek gender-affirming care in Minnesota. Waltz is standing up for what's right in a nation that's mostly doing what it can to kill off these kids. Some words from him. We want every Minnesotan to grow up feeling safe, valued, protected, celebrated, and free to exist as their authentic versions of themselves. Protecting and supporting access to gender-affirming health care is essential to being a welcoming and supportive state. I don't know what a group of people in Pierre who decide to make life miserable and more dangerous for people are thinking, but it's not going to happen in Minnesota. Unquote. The governor is looking to make Minnesota a trans-refuge state, where trans people, their families, and their health care providers are protected. The governor said that it was the accelerating trends against trans rights in other states that made it feel urgent for him to impose protections immediately. 
In another ally move last month, another bill was approved to go forward, which bans the torture of LGBTQ kids via what the Christians call conversion therapy. This one is now awaiting the floor vote in the Senate. I talk a lot about bigots in my skeptical segments, but there are allies too. There are people in the public eye who are standing up for what's right, who are standing up for equality, who are standing up for a person's right to the health care they require to be productive and happy. So I just wanted to take a moment away from complaining about the bad and celebrate those people who really are trying to do good. Done for today. And for four weeks, actually, I put out 24 episodes a year, and that ends up being every two weeks with one break in the middle of the year and one break at the end of the year. So episode 88 will drop on Thursday, July 13th. Though you can still catch me at the YouTube where I'm continuing to put out short weekly skeptical videos. Thank you for joining me. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project more than three years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. You can find him on YouTube as the Delhi Yeti. He's wandering around India right now. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thanks to my household for putting up with me. I love you all so much. I hope you will choose to join me again in four weeks for episode 88 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player, or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter and Hive. There's also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias. 